Well, thank you, Jungle Jim, for that wonderful musical introduction. Well, oh, what a treat. You are on fire today, Jungle Jim. You're just on fire over there. Those magical fingers on that great synthesizer over there with your pint glass on top and your Hawaiian shirt cranking it out in the corner of the basement studio located in the bowels of the building along the shores of the mighty Seneca River feeding the Great Lake of Ontario. The Great Lake of Ontario, the Seneca River flows north into the Great Mighty Lake of Ontario, the smallest of the Great Lakes. Beautiful Great Lake. If you make it right, you're going to find yourself going past 1,000 islands through Canada, out into the Atlantic Ocean, all the way around the world, just like my voice is right now. Uh, Jungle Jim, wake up, please. Please wake up. If you make a left, you're going to find yourself right over in Buffalo. Buffalo, beautiful city. Buffalo, New York, the western part of New York State. Really amazing. You the western part of New York and you have the southern tip of Manhattan. What a diversified state that is, and we're right smack dab in the middle, Jimmy. And then if you go north, you're right up into Toronto, Canada. Toronto, Canada. Great town, diversified menus and arts and sports and theater and home of the Second City from 1971 on. First, the Second City was established in Chicago in 1959, then moved up into Toronto in 1971. John Candy, Gilda Radner, Danny Aykroyd. Oh, yeah, Danny. I make it sound like I know him, Danny Aykroyd. Yeah, make it <clears throat> go south, excuse me. And if you go south, you're going to find yourself going right over Niagara Falls in a barrel and heading down in Lake Erie, right into Cleveland, Ohio, and the Hard Rock Hall of Fame. That's right. This is failing up. This is Tim Marr. Wake up, Jungle Jim. What a wonderful time of year this is, and it's early June. I'm actually recording this podcast on the evening of June 7th, June 7th. Yesterday was June 6th, a famous day, June 6th, because... June 6th is the anniversary of D-Day. D-Day. January, January, I'm sorry, January. What the heck is going on? June, June. Yesterday was June 6th. That'd be quite a jump if it was January. But yesterday was June 6th. And in June, on June 6th, 1944, was the uh, greatest amphibious air invasion of all time. And that was D-Day. And that's when the Allied forces crossed the England cha English Channel. British, Canadian, American military crossed the English Channel to uh, free France. To free France. To overcome the oppression of Adolf Hitler. It was good versus evil. Unheralded courage. Courage that I can't even imagine. can't even imagine being one of these teenagers, these, these young men in these, in these little boats, uh, carriers, carriers, carrying them across the English Channel, many of them throwing up. The last thing they would do alive would be puking off the side of these boats on a cloudy early morning on Tuesday, June 6th, going across the Channel. The noise of the boats and the airs, airplanes flying in the air. This invasion was planned many, 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 many months in advance. And the invasion was um, uh, it were, it were means of deception so that the enemy wouldn't even realize where it was coming from. They thought it was coming from other parts of um, uh, other parts of France would be invaded. So it was, it was a very intricate invasion. They spent months sending uh, fake equipment and, and fake aircrafts and, you know, putting in other parts of the Germans would feel they were going to land and invade another part of uh, France. And Patton was in charge of that. But on June 6, 1944, 
these brave young men got into those landing craft, teeny landing craft, crowded, packed in there like sardines and going through a rough English channel in the wee hours of the morning to invade, to free Europe. Hours earlier, it was referred to D-Day and minus one paratroopers were dropped from the skies. Paratroopers were dropped from the skies behind enemy lines to blow up bridges and help pave the way for those fortunate souls that survived the massacre on some of the beaches. Allied Air Force flew, flew in the eye, flew the army, para dropping paratroopers under extreme fire as these paratroopers landed in darkness. Imagine the courage, courage that I can't even fathom in this day and age, courage that is unbelievable knowing that the chances of you surviving are slim to nil, and yet you're still there. You're in the front of a landing craft knowing when that gate drops, you hear the pitter-patter and the clinking of, of constant machine gun fire spraying the water in the ocean, not even knowing how deep the water is, ricocheting off that craft, knowing when that door opens, those fixed targets are you and, and the men in front of you and yourself may be just massacred right there. It was codenamed Operation Neptune. Later, we know it as D-Day. 156,000 American, British, and Canadian troops landed on five beaches along a 50-mile stretch in France. And if you look at the faces in the old pictures of these young men on those ships, the eyes that are glazed over, many of them knowing that these might be their last breaths ever. But did they stop? Did they say, I don't want to go? They just marched forward knowing they had to. Can you imagine that? They just marched forward knowing they had to. Originally, the invasion was supposed to be on June 5th, 1944, but there was inclement weather, so it was canceled for the next day. Can you imagine that? My death is canceled due to weather. Can you imagine that night it was canceled? What you were thinking and what you were, you were the, the fear, the courage it took to overcome that, knowing that you may have to die. Many of these men, I was with um, the Syracuse newspapers and I was with the new uh, the news line, they called it, and I, I interviewed individuals for D-Day on the D-Day anniversary. And those in the landing crafts were telling, one of the gentlemen told me that when those gates opened up and they dropped into that water, if they weren't shot, they didn't realize that that water was going to be over their head. Many of them just sunk to the bottom and drowned. Many of them were shot in the water and drowned. Many of them used bodies to hide under. But they went on June 6th. General Dwight E. Eisenhower, who later became president, gave a speech before they left, a speech before they left knowing that many of them would not return. And he said to those troops on that fateful morning, that famous morning of liberation, of courage, fighting for freedom so that we can argue and disagree to this day, fighting for freedom so we can be divided, fighting for freedom so we can have um, the, the dialogue that we have, fighting for freedom so we can hopefully somehow overcome our challenges and our sorrows. And Eisenhower stated, you are about to embark upon a great crusade toward which we have strived these many months. The eyes 
are upon you. The eyes of all are upon you. And off they went, off they went. 5,000 ships, landing craft, 1,100 aircraft, paratroopers already behind enemy lines, fighting had begun, many deaths already, and that long chug across the English Channel, the sea rocking in the English Channel, the water choppy, sprayed by the water, the sea, the gray sky, not knowing what. Imagine the fear, the shivering, knowing that you may not. These might be your last moments. But yet, you stay there and you keep going because you believe in what you're doing. The bravest of the brave, courage that I don't even think I could even imagine, courage that I don't think any, that I at least myself, I'm going to speak for myself, can't even fathom. But yet, this great generation did. And when they got to those beaches, those five beaches, the British and the Canadian, as they landed on gold, Juno and Sward, there was some light resistance, but not too heavy. And the Americans who landed on Utah, they experienced some light resistance. But it was those troops and those landing craft that landed on Omaha Beach where the worst fighting occurred. Carnage, the water, crimson red, bodies floating, unable to tell the dead from the, the living. And once you got out of that landing craft, if you were fortunate enough to be back in the ship, back in the boat so you didn't get massacred, or back in the, in the, in the, in the line so yours wasn't the first, and you went through the water of, of, of floating corpses in crimson red, and you made it to that shore, you had another 300 yards to get to safety. 300 yards to minefields and barbed wire and obstacles while machine guns poured down upon you. Poured down upon you. But you kept going forward. They say you kept going forward because the person next to you was going to keep you alive and you were going to try to keep them alive, and you were on a mission. 2,000 casualties, 156 stormed the beach, approximately 4,000 lost their lives, and thousands more went missing. D-Day. Can you think about it? D-Day, a day that should never be forgotten. But yesterday, I was watching the news, and yesterday I was looking at the papers, and I just, maybe I missed it, but I didn't see anything on D-Day. I saw all the other news of the day, and, and of course, there's, there's a lot of big news going on. There's a lot of relevant, serious news going on, and there's disturbing news going on from, uh, you know, continued shootings to uh, a horrible war in the Ukraine where there's suffering to the upcoming uh, invest uh, investigation of um, the taking of the insurrection on the Capitol. I just didn't hear D-Day. I mean, a day that we could never forget, a day where so many sacrificed. It's so easy to say, so many sacrificed. But what was it like? I mean, what would I do if I were in those shoes? What would I do if I was called to serve under those conditions? What would I do when it came time to go into that, 
little teeny landing craft. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those landing crafts, but they're not really big, and they're really noisy. And um, it's just a square boat with a, a, a top that flops down. And they had battleships, and they had planes in the airs, but still, they were just getting sprayed, knowing that that, imagine being in the first one, knowing when that gate drops, you're just going to get shot. And you have to get shot so the three boats behind you can land. It was a clear case of good versus evil. And now I'm not someone who promotes war, and I'm not someone who likes war, but this was good versus evil. This, this, this was, some say it's a necessary war, but if, you know, you hope that no war is ever necessary. I don't know if there's a necessary war. You just hope that no war is ever necessary. And, uh, that we would get to a place where we wouldn't make war a necessary solution to a problem. But this was good versus evil, and this had to happen. And um, it had to, you know, it had to happen. Because of what was occurring with the madman throughout the rest of Europe. But today, when I mean, you walk around, it's... Time takes away the pain in a lot of ways. There's a formula in comedy, you know, time and uh, equals, uh, you know, the more time that goes by, the more painful things become human. Time and, you know, time plus plain, uh, pain plus time equals com uh, comedy. So in any event, but with the time that goes by, you can't. You know, the, it's so easy, you know, and you think way back, back even before then. But 1944, it's so easy to forget. I mean, not to put in perspective the the sacrifice of that day of the families back at home. You know, I know people who have relatives and parents who who landed on D-Day. I have an uncle who fought in Iwo Jima, just the great horrors over there. And you, you just can't forget those sacrifices of World War II and, and how coming out of that war changed us. The end of World, World War II was where everything coming out of World War II was like coming out of this incubator because there was this, you know, leading up to World War II, you had World War I, which I don't think a lot of people even get World War I. I don't even get World War I. World War I was fast and somebody got shot and there was a war and there was horrendous battling and um, there was a great Christmas Eve truce. I don't know a lot about World War I. You know, and then you get into uh, prohibition, which I don't really understand. Who thought that was a good idea? Now we have legalized cannabis. Who thought prohibition was a good idea? <clears throat> prohibition gave birth to the gangsters and the mobsters. You know, just like, you know, cannabis, pot, marijuana. They don't call it marijuana now that's legal. They call it cannabis. That kills me. It's not marijuana, it's cannabis. When you're sampling cannabis, please don't drive. Instead of saying, you know, you're getting stoned, don't get behind a wheel. No, I say that. They have to sound like New York State or the states where it's legal, everything sounds so official and so scientific, you know. When you're when you're having your cannabis, please do not drive. Really what they're saying is when you're getting high, don't get behind the wheel, you know. <clears throat> oh well, whatever. But any event, so prohibition just wasn't a good idea. Then we have the Great Depression. By God. The Great Depression. And then we have Pearl Harbor gets bombed. Then we have World War II. World War II. And World War II, this long war, which, which by the way, compared to the war in Afghanistan, wasn't a long war anymore, uh, or, or the other current wars, um, Iraq. But World War II occurs. 
and the world is 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 fighting. It's it's got good against evil, and World War Two is this brutal war that 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 occurs in the, the European theater and the Southern Pacific theater, and and uh, you know the atrocities and the, and, and the, the horror against humanity and concentration camps and and the brutal fighting and and the loss of life and the sacrifice at home you know and thank god for those rosie the riveters who are, who are building those airplanes and 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 thank god for you know those those brave souls who went over and and all those mothers and aunts and uncles and and sisters and brothers and and guardians and relatives who got those letters that your son or daughter didn't didn't make it through mainly in combat it was son then but there are a lot of great nurses and and other uh, women heroes during World War II don't diminish that the Tuskegee Airmen you know the wind talkers I think they called them all these great great heroes but it all started and there was D-Day you know and at the end of World War II coming out of that great sacrifice and that great loss people were just numb and they just wanted, they wanted peace, and they wanted no hassle. And in in America, and America wanted to have a society, really kind of a society of denial, but the society where, where you know everything was going to be good, and everything was going to be, you know, kind of simple. And then you got into like the late '40s and the '50s, and you got into Hicksville down in Long Island, and you got into the suburbs were being built. And um, not not to not to say that uh, that the U.S. wasn't hiding its ugly warts because there was still discrimination, there was still a need for civil rights, there was still all the prejudice and racism was going on. But you know, Coca-Cola and 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 the '50s, you know, the, the the innocent '50s, the Eisenhower era. So it's ironic that the general of World War II now was president, leading the Eisenhower era. World War II ended with the use of the atomic bomb. I mean, think about that. The use of the atomic bombs wiping out, but that's what it took. That's what it took to end that war, and you can debate that forever. But that's what it took to end that war. I wouldn't have an uncle if they didn't do that. But it was, you know, just a horrendous. So everybody just wanted to chill, just kind of chill, and put their blinders on during the fifties, you know, and um, you know, have the bobby socks and have the America apple pie and all that kind of stuff during the fifties. Keep everything cool. Don't question, you know. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. But there were, believe me, there are a lot of problems going on underneath this, this kind of, uh, you know, facade of this perfect behind the scenes, all this other stuff was happening too. Again, civil rights and, and, and uh, racism and all that. But still, for the most part, you know, Lily White, all that, you know, um, Ozzy and Harriet, all that kind of stuff was World War II. And then all of a sudden, out of that World War II, out of those World War II parents who just wanted to conform and just didn't want to have a hassle, just wanted to, you know, look, man, we fought for the potato chips and the beer and the, and the, and the Pleasant Valley Sundays and the barbecues and, and going to school and all that kind of stuff and no trouble. You know, and Eisenhower's on the golf course. All of a sudden come the 60s because the 60s were when those children of the parents of World War II had had enough of the, you know, of... Uh, of that and you know a president gets assassinated and an unpopular war for the first time is being fought and then comes hippies and the rock and roll and the revolution and all that but all that comes out of world war ii world war ii changed our country it was it was the crossroad of our country but it was all freedom that came out of world war ii freedom came out of world war ii 
the ability to speak again came out of World War II. If we had lost that war, it wouldn't be there. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was able to, to march because of that, because of those, those men, I don't even know their names. 4,000, thousands of them slaughtered. Don't even know them. I'll never know them. But yet I owe my life to them. We owe our freedom to them. We owe the fact that we can bitch at each other so ugly, in such an ugly fashion today, you know, that we can make, you know, just call each other names or we have road rage or all this stuff today. That's because all these things that we bitch about, all our great freedom is because these individuals took it, went on that beat. And you can never forget that. You can never um, forget it. You can't let time forget it. And so yesterday, here it was, D-Day, the anniversary of D-Day. And again, maybe I was just out of it, but I didn't see a big news special. I didn't see a, a wreath laying at Normandy. I, I didn't see any of that. And I realized, and it dawned on me, um, it dawned on me as, you know, I was, as, you know, sometimes up and down the river, you see good old cousin Nick going up and down the river. He's a fisherman. You got fishermen. He's a big fisherman on the Seneca River, and he was going up down the river yesterday. Jungle Jim, not Jungle Jim, was over here in the corner. He's saying what's going on, but uh, good old, you know, uh, good old cousin. Ed, he he fishes up and down on the river all day. That's what he does. Fishes up, catches dinner. So he's a river. They call him a river rat. He's a river rat. That's what he does. He lives on the river. And he catches catches all kinds of fish. That, that's that's all they eat is fish. They just eat fish. No vegetables even. Just eat fish. And uh, as I was walking along the river, he was going up in his, his you know, big pontoon boat. He's got a huge pontoon boat. He hollers out, hey, it's D-Day. And I thought to myself, it's D-Day, the anniversary of D-Day. But I didn't see anything about this. And I know there's Memorial Day, but this is D-Day. And um, so on, on yesterday was D-Day. I'm recording this today. But, uh, you know, thank you to all of those that sacrificed. I hear you, Jungle Jim. This is failing up. See ya later.